and welcome to the Fashion and the Free podcast, the show that pulls back the curtains of the fashion industry to reveal what really goes on behind closed doors, as well as teaching you some tips and tricks of the trade. I'm your host, Emma Golly, a fashion designer, consultant, and founder of Fashion and the Free. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking to British fashion consultant Elizabeth Styles to find out the secrets to selling your fashion product. Elizabeth has worked in the fashion retail industry for over 15 years across buying and selling departments for some of the biggest names and suppliers in the industry. Several years ago, she decided to leave the corporate world to start her own business, working with small independent brands, passing on her industry insider knowledge to help them scale with success. With the vast increase of independent fashion brands in the past few years, combined with Elizabeth's friendly and personal approach, it's no wonder she has seen her business grow from strength to strength. Her success story on social media is definitely a lesson we can all learn from. I couldn't wait to hear all her incredible advice and industry insider secrets. Hi, Elizabeth. Welcome to the Fashion and the Free podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. I've definitely followed you on Instagram for some time now, and I think you're going to have so much great advice to everyone. So I'm really excited to dive in. Before we do dive in, I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I'm Elizabeth Styles. I'm at Elizabeth Styles UK on Instagram, if you want to put a face to the name while you're listening. <laughs> and I am a fashion brand consultant. So I work with fashion and textiles businesses on their manufacturing, marketing and mindset. So what did you get up to in fashion before you got to this point? Because I know that, you know, you've been doing this a little while now, but, you know, I think you were at a few big name brands as well. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I was a fashion, well, before then, I actually studied fashion retail buying at university. And when I joined, it was a brand new degree that nobody had actually graduated from at the time. Uh, So I applied for it and got in, which was great. And from that course, I actually won my graduate job through a competition at the university. And they were just, it was something like a designer collection for the brand Next that doesn't already exist in store. So I did this little black dress collection because I was like obsessed with Chanel. And, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, they were like going through the decades, like a 20 shape, but in black at 30s, 40s, 50s, oh. right up until the 90s. And the prize was to win work experience. But then they were like, we do actually need somebody. Um, there's like a space become available. Do you want it? And I was like, okay nice. <laughs> uh, that's cool so you don't turn down a, a graduate job when you um are looking at uni so I got that um got a few frosty responses from girls on my um course which was interesting oh. and I started at next on the women's wear no the women's wear wovens team I started on as a trainee buyer um you know like doing work shirts and blouses and woven t-shirts things like that and then I moved over to the jersey wear team which was a lot faster because as lots of you know if you're in the fashion industry or if you don't know it's a lot quicker to make jersey than it is wovens so where the lead times were maybe like 12 or 16 weeks on the wovens team it was more like two to six weeks on the jersey team yeah like the turnaround was so much faster 
and I loved it I just as soon as I went on that team I never actually did another department afterwards I always stuck on Jersey because it was just very addictive the the speed that you work at and I then worked at Miss Selfridge for a year so I went on to do their women's wear team it was the worst year of my life it's, oh no <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great working for yeah, it sounds great going to Oxford Circus every day yeah. um being in London like living the fashion girl's dream it, yeah. it wasn't quite how I had worked it like imagined it to be in my head but I did learn a lot and yeah. I learned how not to be probably in a working environment which is actually just as important sometimes Totally. Yeah. And I would do it all again, even though it was not a great fun time in my life. It was so interesting. And again, they worked at a very quick speed. So I learned a lot about trading and buying and selling stock really fast, um, listening to what your customer is telling you. They were they were very, very good at trading. I'll give them that. Just not that in a in a very friendly environment but whatever um, <laughs> and then it was actually only a maternity cover contract so I had a year there so that was and not too bad then not too bad you it had felt... an out <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it, there was always light at the end of the tunnel it yeah, was like yeah. come on see it through for a year mm-hmm. and then I went back up to the Midlands to work at Asda on their boys wear team again yeah. in Jersey. And that was a real experience because Asda is obviously owned by Walmart and their buying power is just insane. It's yeah. I was in charge of like the the short lead time part of all boys wear aged four to 14 and just that budget was something like 30 million pounds per season it was just wild yeah I can believe that them and Primark used to alternate between the highest volume retailer in the UK and obviously you were just saying that you used to work at Primark so. yeah I know those numbers it's it, you know compared to you know I'm sure you experience this too when you know now we're working with smaller brands those numbers just seem insane yeah like eye-watering it's just it's yeah. crazy Uh, that we used to clothe a whole football stadium audience of people with like one (laughs) t-shirt if not and sometimes like you know you would sell through so many in a week and you were like whoa that's that's wild and it's nice actually like when you work with small businesses to them when they go oh my god I'm gonna have to order 40 units it just feels like a lot and I'm like there is so many people in the world that you have the ability to sell these 40 units trust me yeah Um, absolutely and so then I actually went to work at a supplier so after maybe eight or nine years working in buying I then went to work went to work in supplying did that for about five years that supplier set up their own brand managed the launch of that cool and it was at that stage I was like hmm (laughs) launching a brand got a whole multitude of layers involved in it yeah I wonder how many other people are out there launching a brand that don't necessarily have a background in fashion and it just sort of sparked this idea that I could maybe help those people with manufacturing sourcing negotiating working out prices profit you know like all the things that you do day to day I'm like does everyone know how to do this or like is there something I can help people with so I started putting some feelers out into different little Facebook groups, like small business groups saying, is there anyone out there that runs a fashion brand? I'm, I used to be a buyer and I'm looking to 
see what kind of issues you come across yeah and it was really nice to hear all the struggles that people were having because I could help them with them and I was like oh cool like this one small thing is like a a massive roadblock to you but it's something that is honestly so easy to me because all you need to do is this and then they would be along their merry way again and that was a really nice feeling to know that I was able to help people along their journey and in 2018 I handed in my notice to make that my job I guess which is a huge risk as well you know it's very brave for somebody to sort of throw in you know a steady stable nine to five or nine to whatever as it is in this industry (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it was scary and I always I I sort of gloss over it a bit because it could probably be a whole podcast on its own just what I did during that nine months of psyching myself up to leave because I think I had the realization that I could do it in January but I didn't actually hand in my notice until June and then I had a three-month notice period so it was a good like nine months that I kind of came to terms with actually handing my notice in and leaving and all the money mindset work and thinking about am I actually able to earn money on my own because I've always linked my self to these brands like I'm Elizabeth and I work at Arcadia or I'm Elizabeth and I work with this and it was never just like I'm Elizabeth do you want to work with me is that like enough there was a lot of those thoughts that went around in my head yeah I think everyone goes through that that's pretty normal you know to feel and at least you had almost like a build-up to it too where you could start to really put things in place and you know really think about how that was going to work because there are some people that sort of just go into it very fast and maybe you know don't have the savings in place that they should or you know whatever it takes to really have a a bit more of a confident start to to working by yourself and yeah I think being the face of what you're doing and being that sole person so it's all on you is very daunting but 100% worth it if it works out you know yeah yeah exactly I, I never really looked back and that's from me saying that from a point of view of actually enjoying my job I know yeah. a lot of people end up working for themselves because they get made redundant or they, they hate their job but actually mine was more of just a pull to step away slightly from the fast fashion industry yeah it wasn't serving me really in the same way that it not even like it used to but I don't know you just become more aware of things and you get a bit older and you get a bit wiser and you start to think ah no this is not for me (laughs) yeah and sometimes you honestly just need a break from it too it's like a I mean it's demanding working for yourself completely but it's a different kind of demanding working for a full-time company know all the late nights you know at least when it's your own thing if you're doing the late nights that's because you've chosen to which is a little bit different what would you say in terms of you know some of the things that you learned from being in the corporate world that you now apply to your current role focusing on your numbers yeah it's so important I kind of touched on it slightly talking about Miss Selfridge but every brand that I worked for every Monday morning they're sat down having a trade meeting reviewing what's selling what's not selling based on those that information what do we have coming up that is maybe similar to something that has sold does that mean we then need to increase the numbers on that is there anything that's coming in that's similar to something that hasn't sold therefore do we need to decrease the numbers on that at what stage is it at has it been dyed has it been cut has it been shipped has it been ticketed do we need to change the price on that 
and it, yeah it was called trading and I really buzzed off of that I think yeah. it was something that used your brain in fashion sometimes you're just <laughs> yeah. talking about like the shade of yellow and you just sort of oh <laughs> yeah, my god absolutely. I just want to go home and eat my dinner yeah um, why does this need to be a five-hour conversation <laughs> <laughs> Whereas when it came to the numbers, I'm, I mean, saying this as well, I just want to prefix it with the fact that I was in the bottom set at maths. Maths is not my damn. Me too, actually. And, you know, I use numbers all the time now, but sometimes it's, you know, actually trying to do it yourself is a little bit different from sitting in a classroom with 30 other kids. You know, it's a little bit of a different yeah who are all better at maths than you yeah I don't understand what you're saying (laughs) at the same time um whereas this it it was more to do with people as well like what are the customers telling us based on the information that we have each week and really tuning into the fact that the numbers don't lie at the end of the day if something is selling well there is a reason why what do they like about it and sort of analyzing those products So, yeah, yeah, I think small businesses could really do with focusing on the numbers, thinking about the sales and then what to do with that information. Like what is your audience trying to tell you through what you can see? Yeah. And the willingness to to pivot and be flexible, too, because, you know, I've worked with a lot of people that are quite set in their ways often with things. And they're like, no, 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 this was the plan. I'm like, well, you know, very often in fashion, things don't go to plan and you actually do have to be flexible and be willing to pivot. Do you need to cancel this or do you need to stop you know continuing with this product do we need to tweak it so that it's going to actually sell you don't have to have everything set in stone the whole time so I think there's definitely a a flexibility that that comes with that we'll be right back after this ad break have a great idea for a fashion brand but don't know where to start or perhaps you're looking to take your existing label to the next level our industry experts have years of experience at top brands and are ready to help you bring your vision to life From designing your collection, to brand building, to textile and factory sourcing, we offer a nurturing and personalised approach every step of the way. Visit fashionandthefree.com forward slash studio to schedule a consultation and take the first steps towards turning your fashion dreams into reality. You heavily focus on helping entrepreneurs and brands with how to sell their products as well. Why did that become such an important part of what you do? Through my customers telling me, (laughs) (laughs) listening to what people are saying. Yeah, it's really interesting. The way my career worked out is that I was a buyer and then I became a seller. I guess working as a supplier, you were selling into retailers. And since I left, you know, five years ago, let's say, this new job that I've carved out for myself has followed the same pattern in that I helped people start a brand. I helped people manufacture products. It was all around like product development and sourcing. But then I built up like a small group of customers and clients who then built a brand and came back to me and said, Oh, Elizabeth, like I've done what you said. I've got my product. I've got it all in a warehouse or my spare bedroom now how do you how do I sell it I feel a bit stuck can you help me with that as well and at that point I probably had a little bit of imposter syndrome because I was like well I don't have a degree in marketing I've got a degree in retail buying which is where I felt really safe but I almost forgot that I had worked as a sales manager for like five years 
And even in buying, you're buying and selling product in a way. Yeah. And you're in retail, you're, you're in the business of buying and selling at the same time. So I was always really honest. I was just like, you know, I'm not a marketing consultant, but I can give it a go. I can help yeah. you. And honestly, after like two days, I was like, <laughs> you're like, I've got this. <laughs> I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> like I can see where this is going wrong pretty yeah. quickly. And it was just the fact that they weren't selling it. They weren't talking about it. They, there was the lack of self-belief in themselves and the product. And um, there was assumptions that people don't have any money and therefore nobody sells and therefore nobody buys and therefore it reinforces their limiting belief that nobody's buying anything at the moment and it was just going around in this self-perpetuating cycle so yeah I definitely took a massive load of inspiration I guess from my job in sales and all sales is really is I don't want to like diminish it but a massive part of it let's say is building really good relationships with people yeah and building up that trust in order for somebody to feel comfortable pressing the button to buy and when they don't build up that trust and they launch a new product the automatic response is to think what did I do wrong why is the product not right um nobody likes it I knew nobody was going to be interested and it's like, no, 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 like, hold back, wait, 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 wait. like, rewind. The yeah. problem is, is that you didn't get them to trust you enough. That's all it is. And so I really try and hammer that home in one of the courses that I do is called the, the Sales Project is around building trust with your audience, how to do that through content, through the language that you're using, through the imagery that you're using so that somebody feels confident enough to buy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think quite a lot of people it seems like a very common mistake with startups and new brands is that there's so much heavy focus on the brand getting it right doing the product which is all great but I know an awful lot of people even just you know personally that you know then go to sell and it's not quite what they're expecting and a lot of the time they just haven't done the work behind that you know they're just sort of expecting everyone to know about you and it's like actually no one's going to know about you unless you're physically in front of their faces and so if you haven't done that pre-work prior to launching it's it's just not gonna happen unless you've got a huge extended family that are all <laughs> willing to buy from you <laughs> <Yeah>. immediately <laughs> I know and it's funny because it's something that's really on my mind at the moment that when people start a brand they put so much money into the product obviously to get it off the ground but the business is made up of the product and you so some of your budget or investment has to be spent on you as well as the product because you are as much of factor in making this business a success as the product itself and so if you've only invested money into the product but haven't necessarily invested anything into yourself your learning your um personal development I think you're going to find it really hard. And I would say that's something where people really get stuck is giving themselves permission to invest in themselves as well as the product itself and knowing that you're worthy of that investment. And it's not going to be a direct return on investment. You know, if you think I'm spend a hundred pounds in stock, I'm going to get 300 pounds back. It's never quite as direct as that, but it's more like, the stuff you learn when you invest in yourself, you will hold on to for a whole lifetime. And it's just a different style of 
looking at the investment that you put in. I agree. And do you think there's been a huge influx of small brands that have started recently? I know that I've definitely feel like maybe it's a 2020 thing. I don't know, but I feel like I've seen that. And I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that. And also how you see that evolving and shaping the the fashion market as well. Yeah, I mean, there is no doubt that the the small business industry has boomed since lockdown or during lockdown and after is probably because people had time to do it and you know if you're sat at home and you should have been at work but you're getting paid anyway you know you might have been put on furlough it's it's finally time to do the thing that you always wanted to do yeah but I have also seen a massive drop-off from people who did start in lockdown and then maybe were lured into a bit of a false sense of security about what it's like to run a small business because it was pretty easy to sell things during that time when you had a really captive audience and then when the world started opening back up again it was probably a bit of a shock to people to be like uh why not paying any attention to me anymore (laughs) you know like people were out with their friends they were going to the pub they were starting to go back on holiday and so that captive audience got diluted and since then you know, you, you see people that you may have started following in lockdown. They've not posted since like 2021, beginning of 2022. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's such a shame. Like they gave up when things maybe felt a little bit more real compared to being in that lockdown bubble. But it's, it's never been easier to start a business, you know, with things like Etsy, Shopify yeah. and Clavio and you know Mailchimp and all of the things that just make Instagram even TikTok it's so easy to start a business now compared to five ten years ago I mean I don't know about you sometimes I see people who are like 18 starting a business on TikTok and you know they've earned six figures in six years and you're like wow why didn't I do that and it's like (laughs) I didn't even have the internet in my house when I I was gonna say we're at a different time that wasn't that wasn't a thing I mean actually in some ways I mean this is for a different day but I'm glad that wasn't a thing personally when I was that age I'm glad I wasn't glued to my phone but yeah you know swings and roundabouts eh (laughs) Absolutely. But I mean, I think, you know, to that point as well, some of those kids that are making that sort of money, it's creating very unrealistic expectations to the majority of people because that stuff doesn't happen to everyone that, you know, it's a one in whatever chance that that's going to be you. And there might be other factors behind like why that did well for you. But it is giving a lot of people very unrealistic expectations of what a career is I mean it's great that it gives people opportunities I think that's brilliant but you know there's other sides to it and it doesn't come that easy which it appears to look like it does at least through social media yeah it's sort of like when you were talking it reminded me of the Molly May effect you know the influencer who was in Love Island and then everyone thinks that though they're going to be the next Molly May and it was like she was one in a million like literally there's so many people who apply for it then they might get onto it and then do well off the back of it and I think people do see these like overnight success stories of somebody earning great money from one TikTok video and it's like that is the anomaly there is so many other people out there who are just doing really well like good business from working really hard and To give you an example, I had like two different journalists ring me in the past like two weeks to comment on their news articles. Mm. And I've had a few DMs from people saying, oh, are you part, like, what's your secret? You know, like, what, how did this happen? I'm like, honestly, 
it's like five years of putting content on my website with the word fashion and textiles and expert over and over and over and over again and I think finally it's starting to pay off at five years later that's it there isn't any other secret to it than that is just being consistently visible in one niche and focusing on that so I would say there really isn't a secret to running a business other than consistency and quality and focus so I don't know what about you yeah no I agree I think no I've seen quite a lot of again people I know that have had successful fashion brands etc but they have managed to get themselves in a ton of magazines and ton of you know really good online content but that again is through hard work like that didn't happen overnight they weren't even necessarily reached out to they had to put themselves forward for that and they had to make those connections and so I do think there's a certain appearance of of it all being easy and great and I wouldn't want to dishearten anyone or put anyone off at all but it you know that involved so much hard work and I think that's really important to to know and you know I, I completely agree with you I saw back to the brands sort of taking off around 2020 as well certain brands not every brand because obviously we saw a few exit but a lot of brands had a really successful year that year and it's been very hard for them ever since to meet the sort of figures they were meeting so everyone's then under this huge pressure because they're like oh well year on year we've not matched last year blah 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 and actually well that was a like you were saying it's an anomaly like that was a crazy year that just wasn't wasn't normal and so yeah yeah, there's a lot of people had huge success 2020 it dived down I think that's really sad that like you were saying that it just got to this point where maybe it just got too hard for people because everyone else had other priorities and so you have to work that little bit harder and find new ways to get people's attention and priorities shifted in spending too you know all of a sudden we're allowed to be out in the wild traveling all these things that we've been wanting to do for a while and so priorities change and yeah it's just people are still selling I'm sure you know that for a fact you know with a lot of people you work with it's just about being smart in how you're how you're reaching people now I know you have so much great advice up your sleeve after seeing all your posts on socials and everything. So the next few questions I have, I really hope will be of value to anyone listening who's planning or has already launched their brand. What are some of the biggest challenges you see brand owners facing when it comes to selling their product? It's the fact that selling as a whole is so far outside of their comfort zone because creating products is very much within their comfort zone. Selling the products, maybe not so much. And we don't get taught how to sell at school. It's not a part of the curriculum. It's, you know, coming from a British point of view, it's really, most people are quite shy, I think, in the UK as a majority. It's not cool or admired to big yourself up and you know be Billy Big Bollocks or whatever um, (laughs) really sort of it's a bit it feels a bit showy-offy I guess uh to talk about how brilliant your product is that you created but I really encourage people to come at it from a point of service rather than selling so rather than being like here's my great product it's like here's how this product can really benefit you and just that slight change in language from I to you is major and just if you're watching people's content notice how much they're talking to you versus how much they're talking about themselves and the best salespeople make it about them 
as in like the audience rather than about themselves so yeah I would just say that the idea of selling isn't a bad thing we're taught to believe that it's a bad thing with Matilda's dad in the film or um yeah or for Wall Street or the witch that works in the pretty woman shop and tells her (laughs) to get out it's like the selling is always taught or portrayed as a bad thing Mm. and most people who start a small business are really nice people and then they don't associate with that personality type and so they go oh I don't want to be salesy because like salesy equals bad that's not true bad sales is bad good sales you can do and that's what I try and teach people is like how to sell in a way that feels good for you and feels good for your audience as well yeah I never actually thought of it like that about the set you know how everyone in the movies and you know whatever is portrayed in sales is portrayed as bad I actually (laughs) you're absolutely right they really are (laughs) yeah I mean I can't think of one I mean if everyone's listening please feel free to message me because I would love to use an example what good good sales people have you seen in movies (laughs) I'll be waiting (laughs) so if you could list three common mistakes brands or entrepreneurs make when selling products what would they be Yes, I'm going to get my phone out because I actually did a post on this the other day. Oh, great. Sort of three mistakes people make when uh, selling online. So the first one was you're simply not selling. (laughs) It's so obvious, but, you know, I feel like we've kind of discussed that one is that you're just talking about your dog and talking about your lunch and talking about the mood boards and the fabrics and all the lovely fluffy things around the product which are all really really important I don't want to minimize that yeah but as well as that make sure your call to action is in there and saying I also have this available to buy would you like to buy it is quite often overlooked then number two is you're assuming that selling is bad thing so you know not resonating with that salesy personality type And so therefore, again, just closing the door to selling altogether, it's often why you're not making any sales is because you're not selling. And then the third one is making the assumption that your audience just isn't interested. Oh, when I talk about my products, my engagement drops, or I'll talk about my dog and I get loads and loads of likes. And then I talk about my product and it's tumbleweed. That's very normal. And I want to encourage people that, that isn't a reason to give up because when you're talking to your audience, what people do is that they assume a hundred, say there's a hundred people watching your stories, that all 100 of them are are at a place who are ready to get their wallet out and buy. It's probably more like 20, 25 of those people who are ready to buy. And if you're only speaking to that group of people, you're ignoring everyone else. And so some people might have just started following you yesterday and they just want to find out about who you are and what your name is, you know, like sometimes it's so hard to actually find somebody's name on their page. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're putting that in your bio as well. (laughs) Then other people might have been around for a little while and they find, you know, they really like you and they like your brand, but again, not quite ready to buy. Another person is a bit further along and like, I do like that actually, but I'm just kind of maybe waiting to get paid or I'll have a look around at what Mm. other people have got first before I commit and so I really want you to think about selling or talking to all of those people and rather than just only trying to get people into the checkout every single time you're speaking to maybe making the cold people a bit warmer the warm people into hot people and the hot people into customers 
and so you start thinking almost like a train carriage where you're yeah. every time you're talking to them you're maybe just moving people from one section to the next and building up that trust with people enough to get them all the way to the end of that journey and yeah. so yeah like when you post about your product you might not see a sale instantly but what you might have done that you don't necessarily see is that you've moved them from one section to the next and yeah. that's probably what I mean if you follow me you may have seen me talking about like selling through the silence that's what I mean by that is moving people through the journey you don't always see and I think what people do is they they move lots and lots of people through the train carriages and then they go oh god this is exhausting I'm gonna give yeah. up and like, I'm not no. getting any sales <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've probably got like quite a few people they're ready the <laughs> they're ready you've warmed them all up and then you've packed it all in and I'm like no uh, oh so gosh. yeah selling through the silence is like what I encourage people to do yeah I think that's important because you know I think it's very easy for people to get a bit despondent with it when they're not selling but actually you don't realize half the time but just by you showing up and some of the posts that you're putting out you've already got people interested you've already piqued their interest so they're on that like you said they're on that carriage they're ready to go but like if you just stop right there that's going to put them back a few steps as well so it's like you're saying earlier it's about consistency and showing up all the time yeah consistency is the cheapest way to build trust with people I would say which is why I sort of try and encourage it as much as possible yeah I agree so let's talk about social media for a bit the bit that some of us all love to hate you appear (laughs) to have you appear to have done incredibly well with your social media presence I've been following you for a while and I've seen how much you've grown as well which is you've had huge growth so how do you use your experience to help others with social media yeah I am I would say I was gonna say I was I still probably consider myself quite a shy person and I look back on some of the videos that I used to make and I almost like feel sorry for her about that girl that was so like dear in the headlights not looking at myself in the camera lens, you know, my eyes were dying all over the place. I wasn't smiling in the videos. I was sort of, you can hear it in my voice that I'm not smiling because all I'm thinking about is just like, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up for the hundredth time. And I just want to say to her, like, relax, (laughs) like calm the F down. It's not that deep. And I didn't on my page it keeps showing my memories from like year after year after year and I'm like oh god I'm gonna I'm gonna click through and see what's on there today (laughs) but I kind I really like that somebody like you maybe has followed me for a while and seen that it does just take time Mm -hmm. you don't expect I've got like leaves all over my house I'm not expecting those leaves to be there all year round I know that they come out and then they go away and then they come back again and and then they come more come back the year after and I'm not like I wish these I mean I would be nice if the leaves were there in the winter and I didn't have this (laughs) like bare brick house but I just you trust that within nature that things come and go and they grow bigger each year and you're you are without going too woo woo but you are the same (laughs) you are at one with nature you are the same as that tree or that flower or that rose bush that just gets like a little bit bigger and a little bit brighter each year but you can't plant that seed in 2020 and expect it to be like a taking over your whole garden by six months later you you trust that it's going to take some time and you need to do the same for yourself as well so 
I hope that if people have followed me for a while, or even if you come and follow me today, that I do talk about the fact that things take time. I don't have any hacks. I don't have any magic potions, but I do have strategies that work. And I talk about creating content that converts people. I don't talk about content that, you know, gives you 60,000 followers overnight. It doesn't matter. Like the aim of a business is for it to make money. And that's what I focus on yeah absolutely okay so if I'm an entrepreneur with a limited budget when it comes to socials ads marketing is it still possible to have success with sales or is it a case of having to spend money to make money good question I really liked this question when I saw it (laughs) it's totally possible and it's literally everything that I teach is about organic growth on a budget And I probably have only really realized it quite recently, which is why I try and like repeat it over and over and over again is that idea of creating content that converts is really, really important to me and important to me for me to get that message across that it is definitely still possible to do. If you have um, a leopard print fleece, because that's what I'm wearing now, (laughs) and it's not selling, by you throwing money at Facebook ads is not going to make it sell anymore. Yeah. Um, it's just not. You have to organically create the demand first and then the money is going to help, I think. Yeah. So let's imagine we're on holiday and there is an empty restaurant, but there is 10 people outside who are all being paid to have a megaphone going, come inside, come inside. There is a great atmosphere going on in here. And you're looking at it like, no, there's not. There's literally nobody (laughs) in there. Um, Whereas you go a little bit further down the beach and there is like a little restaurant that's quite bustling. And there's one guy outside saying, come in. Like there's a really great atmosphere inside. You're like, okay. And then there is a queue that starts outside and there is somebody that takes their interest and goes, oh, what's going on over there? And then they get 10 people stand outside saying, join the queue, join the queue. There is like a really great atmosphere going on over here. You're going to join the queue and it's going to make a difference. Yeah. So it's all about building that organic traction first, because no matter how much money you have behind you, I've seen it happen so many times where people think money is the answer and it's not. It's, a, it's about supply and demand and learning how to organically create that is like a really magic skill to have in your toolkit. And it's fun, you know, like teasing people with a new launch and then asking people to guess what it could be and then creating a launch date of when it comes out and then yeah. finding out like, oh, this is the day I'm going to reveal it and then creating the wait list and then joining the wait list. And do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. gosh. It's like an elastic band, like you've got to stretch it out, stretch it out and to create tension. But what people do is just they have this like really floppy, (laughs) overstretched elastic band (laughs) and then just go, oh, here you go. Like there's a new product out. Do you want to buy it? And you're like, no, not really. And (laughs) then it goes on sale and no, still nobody buys it. And then they move on to the next thing. And the reason things don't sell is because you've like Seth Godin talks a lot about like tension and building tension with between you and your customer and that's what marketing is is saying what you do over and over and over again but in a way that creates tension between you and them but having fun with that at the same time like enjoying it and having fun I'd say is it's I know it's easier said than done but when you look at other people who 
are deemed to be doing well online they're really having fun with their marketing yeah, and it yeah. it shows and it's contagious it's infectious you want to be a part of that fun and so you've kind of got to create your own little party to begin with and be happy with the fact that maybe that party only had like five people in it to begin with yeah. and then it can grow and grow from there yeah well because most people don't have that initial budget to throw down on social media and marketing and everything you know it's expensive enough starting a brand getting the product right you know it's a whole process it's not like you just wake up one morning have the product in a week doesn't cost you very much you know that's not how it goes and so obviously don't neglect the marketing and the socials part but by the time you get there a lot of people don't necessarily have a huge budget and so Mm -hmm. therefore it's about being creative and like so many people were just able to on their socials just get a little bit more creative and entice people that way it could be through humor like humor is very successful and instagram and all that and just spending a little bit of time dialing into what is your brand voice or brand message and how can you then captivate an audience and build up to the sale of your product yeah exactly it's all about supply and demand so if you are starting out and you only have like four jumpers that's fine that's fun because you can get four jumpers to sell out probably quick pretty quickly and then you say it's sold out make sure you're joined on the wait list for the next time people join and then go again and go again and go again yeah it's like I'm on a course at the moment and she says it's one launch of many and having that approach rather than putting all your eggs in one basket and thinking, oh, if this launch doesn't work, it's going to be the end. I've been there, you know, I'm speaking from experience knowing yeah. from, that like <laughs> doing this, it's not a nice feeling to sell from that place. And yeah. just, oh, no. This one doesn't work. Maybe the next one will. And going back to that idea earlier of like, maybe this launch is just moving people into the next bucket of being a little bit warmer than what they were before and then going again and again yeah I think so and also just you know I think you also said a bit about starting small as well actually is really beneficial to you because so what you sell out that's great that's gonna make people think oh my goodness we need to get involved we need to be there for the next launch and it's also eliminating a huge risk of how much money or inventory has been dumped into this project so yeah So a lot of people are really fearful with social media, especially when it comes to making reels and any kind of videos we have to show up, myself included, as you will probably see from my social media, I try and avoid reels like the plague. What's your (laughs) best nugget of advice for getting over that fear? One step at a time. It doesn't (laughs) come easy. I probably sound like a broken record now, but it might be that the first thing you do is get some nice professional photos taken of yourself Mm. and you look at them and you go oh I look quite nice with that picture because I maybe (laughs) I had my makeup done and they understand how to put me in the light and how to um pose me and oh okay like even if it's pouring with rain outside I've still got a nice picture that I can share of myself then you go on and think all right maybe I could create a video that has all of those images in it and I do a voiceover where I talk over that video of imagery and then the next one could be a video of like a time lapse of you sat at your desk just typing away with some text over the top they tend to do quite well and doing one step at a time like you don't have to dive into the talking to camera some people do some people just like I'll 
blow it like give me the camera and I'll get going and (laughs) actually I was probably one of those people that I just thought I can't be asked like just give me I'll get it over with what's the worst thing that can happen I joined this like 30 day challenge that had different prompts and I could see other people struggling with it as well which made me feel better in a way to Mm. be like oh this is hard it's not just me like blowing it out of proportion it gave me a bit of accountability to do it in a bit of you know like a group setting it was something similar to march meet the maker i don't know if you if you've seen that before so yeah you know like one day you introduce yourself another day you do this cuz i think one of the things that is that people run out of things to say mm. and so having like a different prompt each day like there's, there's all sorts of templates and stuff on pinterest and that really helped to think right for the next 30 days, I'm going to talk to the camera and so be it and see what happens. And committing to that was really nice because you see it working instantly. You see your engagement improve. Yeah. You see the quality of your engagement improve. So where people might be like, cute, love, heart emoji, they start to go, what's that? What What was that that you said about that thing that you mentioned the other day? And it, it's a little bit more intrigued yeah. or you see the saves button being tapped a few more times and that improved quality of engagement is a massive driver to do it again yeah yeah yeah. absolutely it's encouraging isn't it yeah so lastly my very final question for you if someone has already started their fashion brand but is currently feeling stuck in a rut I think we talked about all those people that might have done well in 2020 and so the classic example you know or they're feeling disheartened by their lack of sales what would you say to them? Take a breath. <laughs> Maybe even take a break. Uh, there is a girl that's following me at the moment that messaged me the other day, just being like, I'm ready to pack this all in. I just oh, put God. everything into it. I don't think it's for me. And I just said to her, you know, like, switch your phone off, go for a walk, take your dog out, forget all of it. From yeah. You're allowed to take a break from it. And it's a bit like a relationship, isn't it? You're like, is this relationship over or do we just need some time away from each other for a bit? And yeah, like, I yeah. do like them. They've just driven me bananas whilst being locked up with them for, you know, two years. <laughs> um, and then reassess how you feel. That's one thing you can do. The other thing you can do is that you're probably looking at it from an artist slash like an emotional perspective. So what you might be able to do is take your artist hat off and put your like science hat on instead and go, what is it that is driving you mad? Why is this not working? What is it that I can see in other people that I am not doing myself? What content are they creating? Why are they creating? How often are they posting it? What is their call to action? Like, you know, I'm really getting analytical about it because I could so easily tell you that my story views range from 200 to 2000 on a monthly basis. And I know when they're low, it's because there's boring stuff on there. (laughs) And I've probably not made that much of an effort or I've not opened up quite as much as maybe I could have done, or I'm just banging on about work. And then when I go on holiday or I go away for a few days, they go through the roof again. And so... (laughs) You just need to be really honest with yourself sometimes and say, is this actually good enough? Would I be interested in that? Would I buy off the back of that? Yes or no. And 
maybe partner up with a small business friend as well. And I'm very much somebody who processes things externally rather than internally. So knowing that about yourself, like, do I need to journal and really think about things? Or actually, do I need to speak to somebody? Do I need to get a business coach? Do I need to speak to a friend who understands and go from there? Yeah, but stepping away almost from that situation, removing yourself, I mean, take a vacation, whatever you need to do to sort of clear your mind and get some perspective. So I think that's really Mm -hmm. great advice. So I really wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today. I got so much amazing advice from you. It was really lovely to meet you after following you on socials for all this time. (laughs) I know. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, I really loved all the questions that you asked. I, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed my chat with Elizabeth. She provided us with so much great advice, some of which I will definitely be taking on board myself. And if you're in the process of starting your fashion brand, or maybe you're currently struggling with sales, I hope our conversation has inspired you and motivated you to continue working hard towards your goals. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please don't hesitate to get in touch via social media, via the handle at Fashion and the Free on Instagram and TikTok. And you can check out the website fashionandthefree.com. If you're interested in learning more about Elizabeth and the courses she offers, all the links will be in the show notes for you to look at. Don't forget to like and follow the podcast. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave us a five-star rating and review. It helps other fashionistas to find us. I'll see you on the next episode.